this first Sunday of Lent, we always read this story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. In Matthew's Gospel, this follows Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist, and he goes out into the wilderness immediately following that. And right after hearing in his baptism and having it pronounced to all around him that he is the Son of God, he goes into this wilderness experience where he is tempted to forget who he is. We hear it at the end of these 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness. And the tempter comes to him and says to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to turn into loaves of bread. If you are the Son of God. Right here at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew wants to show us who Jesus is. And that Jesus knows who he is, even as he's tempted to prove it or even forget it. And this is important because at the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus will be tempted again. Except this time he will be on the cross. And those that tempt him will not be the evil one, Satan, but people that he loves. Those that are witnessing Jesus' crucifixion will say to him, if you are the Son of God, save yourself. The religious leaders will say to him, if you are the Son of God, come down off of that cross and save yourself. And Matthew's Gospel says even the bandits who were crucified on either side of him said the same thing. We see in these stories that Jesus is laying claim to who he is as the Son of God. And it is not always who we expect him to be. These 40 days of Lent as we read scripture in our Sunday worship and even in daily prayers, we will see time and again Jesus telling people who he is and them challenging him on that very topic. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Messiah, then you would do this or that. It is a hard thing to realize who Jesus is and what that means for our own lives. But there is a truth in here that is bigger and deeper than can really be summed up in a homily. And I must confess a little hesitancy in offering it to you in this one-way dialogue. So I will tell you here at the beginning that I'm trusting you'll speak up in the weeks ahead. If there's something from this sermon that rubs you in a way that feels uncomfortable and brings questions to your mind. Because I believe that what we're challenged to realize as Christian people is that God is bigger and more than who we imagine God to be. And God's bigness and more thanness calls out things in us that are more than we want to be called out to be. Love makes room for accepting the reality, the truth of the matter. And it's in that love that we come to see the transformation that is possible. In loving Jesus, we accept who Jesus truly is, even though it's different than perhaps we had in mind. And by loving Christ, we open ourselves to being transformed through who Christ truly is. This is something that we have opportunity again and again to practice in our relationships here on earth. There are several ways that we are given daily opportunities, if you will, to accept the reality with love. 
and thus create in that environment the opportunity for love to transform the reality. Think of a parent-child relationship. I must say that my skin crawls when I hear parents talk about their children in a way that makes it sound as if they're only worthy if they achieve particular things. It's usually said with the best intention, because a parent wants the best for their child. But I have heard people say, parents confess in a sense their anxiety that if their kid doesn't get into this school, or doesn't stay that good at that sport, what will their future be like? Will they make it in the world? We each know that kids are different, and they come with different gifts. Some of them fit nicely into the mold of our Western society, and some of them don't. But our job as parents is to recognize the reality of what's before us, to accept the reality with love, and in accepting it, love can even transform it. So you have the kid that's a little laid back, and you say, you know what, that is so good for so many things. I have to let you know that competition looms over in this corner, and you might want to be aware of it. But you are worthy in who you are. Or even the flip side, a kid who's very competitive. You can say, yes, that's a wonderful thing and very valuable in many ways. But I have to tell you, there are places where that doesn't really fit, and you might want to be aware of it. But you are worthy and valuable just as who you are. In practicing acceptance in love, we actually create the environment for transformation to happen. It's the paradox. And it's only through really accepting it in love that transformation can take place. This is true also in marriage relationships. It's a hard thing to talk about marriage because there are so many that have ended in divorce. I know that there are many people in this congregation here today who have endured the pain of divorce. And the inevitable result of that, which is second-guessing your actions, wondering if you made the right decision, being angry and hurt and fearful. But we have about 60% of marriages now that end in divorce, which is up even from what it was a few decades ago. And so then I feel like I need to talk about it. Because marriage has phases. And it is in loving the other, in accepting the other for who they are, that transformation can take place. And transformation won't take place unless we truly accept the other for who they are and love them for that. I remember several years ago, probably about nine, Michael and I had taken our then three children camping in West, in West Virginia. And it rained that week, tent camping. We came to realize why it was so lush and green in West Virginia. It rains every day. We also noticed we were the only tent on that campground. Everyone else is in campers, and that also should have been a clue to us. So we spent most of the week, actually every day, reconfiguring our tarps and doing laundry because the sleeping bags got wet again. And we sat around a smoky campfire because the wet wood was wet, discussing whatever it was that came to our minds. And it dawned on us that we had finished our list that we had set out to do when we first got married. We put each other through grad school. We'd had some children. We were working in our careers. And we came to the question of, now what? 
and we each had lists of things that we wanted to do in life. And we're surprised to see that the thing that was on the other person's list wasn't on ours. We were intrigued that it was something that the other one so eagerly wanted to do. After many minutes of conversation, and maybe hours, I can't really recall, we concluded that we would say yes to each other, that we would help the other with their list, even though it would require something on each of our part, a sacrifice to some extent. But we wanted to accept who it is that each of us is, and love, and allow God to use that acceptance to transform us both. That's what happens in love. We accept the reality, and in accepting the reality, love is allowed to transform the reality. We do this even with ourselves. There are parts of ourselves we would like to excise, take away, set at a distance, and not accept, thinking if I just don't pay attention to it, maybe it'll just go away. I don't want to feed it. And yet it gnaws at us. And it's not until we accept it and love that aspect of ourselves that it can be transformed. An illustration of this was shared years ago with me by a monk who was just becoming a part of the monastery. And he said that he began to feel very lonely in the monastery, which was a surprise to him to live in the company of others and feel so lonely. And he told another monk, a more senior monk, about this experience and how he wanted to get away from his loneliness. And the senior monk said to him, you have to pull it close. It's not until you pull close your loneliness that it will be transformed into something new. We are inclined to not accept our full selves, to try to not love parts of who we are, and it's only when we accept it and love it that God can transform it. And so I'm glad that Jesus was practiced in refusing the temptations of others, not only of the devil, as we read in this fourth chapter of Matthew, but at the very end, when he's on the cross, and people say to him, if you really were going to save us, you would come down from the cross. It is only when we accept who Jesus is, the one who is crucified on our behalf, that we realize the transformation that comes in that act of love. When Jesus died for them and for us, we then know ourselves to be people worth dying for. Jesus has informed us through his death on the cross that we're worth dying for. And when we remember who we are, we are transformed by that love. The choristers yesterday were in Vermont. Nine young people were up at the cathedral in Burlington, Vermont, to sing with their choristers. We had an overnight choir camp, and they sang Evensong yesterday afternoon. And the anthem they sang, I thought, captured this beautifully. So I want to read for you these words. It is a thing most wonderful, almost too wonderful to be, that God's own son should come from heaven and die to save a child like me. And yet I know that it is true. He chose a poor and humble lot, and wept and toiled and mourned and died for love of those who loved him not. I sometimes think about the cross and shut my eyes 
and try to see the cruel nails and crown of thorns and Jesus crucified for me. But even could I see him die, I could but see a little part of that great love, which, like a fire, is always burning in his heart. And yet I want to love thee, Lord. O light the flame within my heart, and I will love thee more and more until I see thee as thou art. Our Lord Jesus Christ came as our Savior. And in demonstrating his saving act of love, we were made worthy of being saved. We came to see ourselves, and we come to see ourselves as worthy of being saved. And so we are invited during this holy season of Lent to live as those people, to take these weeks leading up to the Holy Week and Easter to remember who we are, to live as people who have been saved by Jesus Christ, made worthy through his love. Amen. <laughs>